2015 is here. Uh, it's a, it's, we're halfway through almost, I guess you could say, the teens, all right, whatever that may mean. Uh, I still remember Y2K, so uh, the fear of Y2K. Do you all remember that? Anybody old enough for that in here? Okay, you probably still have some food in your pantry that you stored up and you're still eating it uh, here 15 years later. Uh, but, you know, you, New Year's comes around and something about the New Year's, we feel the sudden urge that we're going to turn over a new leaf, we're going to have new, new Year's resolutions, we're going we're gonna to get better relationships, we're going to get better at relationships, we're going to start dieting. We're going to exercise. We're going to change our attitudes. We're going to get rid of some of these destructive uh, habits and ways. And, and we're going to seek God more. Maybe that's one of the ones that are out there. But the reality is, is that everybody or most people in this room, I can, I can say, safely say that most of y'all in this room came to 2015 and you said, I want to do something different with my life. We asked you that on Christmas Eve night. We had a lot more people here then. And this is what we basically found out. 85% of those who responded to the survey said, yes, I want to adjust something in my life. There's something that isn't where it should be, ought to be, want to be. And so therefore in 2015, that's the year that's something is going to change. I hope for Four days into this, you've not already thrown in the towel. Hopefully, you're four days into it and you're still working strong on that resolution or that adjustment, whatever it is. But I also know the reality is that most of us, by the end of this year, maybe by the end of this month, uh, we will look back and have forgotten our resolutions, have forgotten our plans for change, and all of a sudden we'll be like most of Americans. Barna did a study a few years ago and found that 90 million Americans will make New Year's resolutions. However, at the end of that year, about 78% of them look back on their resolutions with little, if any, change in their life. Little if any change, 78%. Why do we even do this? Is it, is it an exercise in futility that we're about here? Is it something that we talk about but we don't do and we don't deliver? I'm convinced, or becoming more and more convinced, we want change. We all want change. But we don't really know how to make the change, how to actually initiate the change. We don't really like what's going to have to change in the diet. We don't really like going to have to change in our attitude. We aren't really able to make that adjustment or we try and we fail and we give up and we lose hope on whatever it may be uh, that we're trying to adjust attitude or likewise. And so we kind of get that frustration kind of feel that comes over us. And I want us to move past that. I want us to get, find some hope this year. And maybe maybe it's different because I, I don't want to keep doing the same thing, making the same resolutions and only failing. You know what they call that? They call that, uh, what, what do they call that? They call it when you do the same thing again, expecting different results. Yes, thank you so much. Uh, so that's exactly what it is. Insanity. Whenever you do the same thing again and again, year after year, but you don't see any changes. So how is it, what is it that we need to really be focusing in on? And maybe we're focusing on the wrong things. Maybe we have the wrong uh, focus points out there. I was thinking through going into a new year, and I thought, okay, there are three things that I can think of that I think every one of us needs. And we don't need to let these go. We need to, uh, if anything, ramp up in these areas. And one of those is we need to see the value of community. The community is a non-negotiable element. All right? When you think about life and the life that you're living and the, the race that you're running, we all kind of think of it, life as not a sprint but a marathon. Really, I, I don't like that. I don't think it's an accurate metaphor. I think a better metaphor 
is that we're at war, okay? We're at war against our own nature. We're at war against our sinful uh, temptations. We're, you know, Satan is out to kill, steal, and destroy. So anything that we have as a lofty, high, and noble goals out there, he's going to do everything he can to tear those down. So really, we're not talking about just some leisurely run through the forest. We're talking about a war. And that we need to understand that we don't need to go at war alone. Uh, there's an old African proverb, at least it was attributed to African proverb. It says, if, if, if you want to go fast, go alone. But if you want to go far, go together. I, I think there's a lot of value in having community and having the right people around you. If your friends are pulling you down and keeping you from high and noble goals and, and resolutions, you might need to change some friends. Uh, you know, you, you might need to find some new friends. You might need to influence your friends instead of your fr- friends influencing you. And how do you do that? I think you've got to find those right places. And let me just give you a couple of environments because here, the next two months, we're going to talk a lot about environments. And we're going to talk a lot about these three things that I think we can't really, if we're going to improve on ourselves, we can't live without them. And we're going to give you those environments. One of those is kind of where you get enlisted into a safe, healthy community. Become a part of a church. Whether it's Grace Point or not, find a church out there. Join it. Plant yourself. Become a part of it. Here on the 17th, I think it's 16th and 17th, we're going to have our North Point new members class. I encourage you, come try. We're not going to try to talk you into membership. Listen, we don't want you here if God doesn't want you here. All right? We want you wherever God wants you to be. But if it's here, then be all here. All right? And so be a part. Join in. And you're going to learn about how you can be fully invested at Grace Point on, on those uh, two, uh, two days. It's a two-day event. But also, I will say this. You're not going to get community in this room. Now, you're going to hear a talking head, and I'm the talking head. You're going to hear a singing band, and they just walked off stage, and then it's going to be you looking up here. All right. You might run into somebody or meet somebody in the hallway that you've known from work or, or from a hobby or some past, uh, a blast from the past or something like that. But you're not going to have community in this room. I, I wish I could say otherwise. You're going to need it in a communitas group. If you don't have it, you need to find one. You need to make one. You need to develop one. This afternoon, we're going to be training new leaders. We're going to be training existing leaders. We're going to be, Randy and I are going to be spending some time with those. If you're interested, you can see me or Randy immediately after, after that. If you're interested in being a part of that. And then also one more, and this is not just a list of commercials here. These are environments. You can trash them, walk out of here and not take advantage of any of them. Or you can say, okay, this year's different. I'm going to make sure I have healthy, community around me. And one of those is going to be a part of a Bible study uh, series uh, that's going to take this series to a new level. On Sunday nights, beginning next Sunday night, uh, and this is kind of the last day to sign up for it, um, is I'm going to have a Bible study time where I'm going to be teaching about 100 people just exactly how to study the Bible on a personal level. And uh, there's a lot to that. don't have time to go into that. It's all online, and you can learn about that or sign up for that uh, today. But healthy community, it's a non-negotiable. The second thing you can't live without, relationships. Relationships are priceless. Healthy relationships. Now, community and relationships kind of fit together, but really where I'm going here is inside your home. We can talk about children-parent relationships. We can talk about dating relationships. We can talk about relationships on a lot of different levels. But one of the things we're going to have here in November, or excuse me, in February, is we're going to have Gary Thomas back. Gary Thomas is an amazing communicator. We've had lots of great speakers, authors come and speak at Grace Point on family and marriage and 
relationships. Gary Thomas knocks it all, all of them out of the park, okay? Uh, he was here last year. He's coming back this year. He's just authored a new book, A Lifelong Love. It's a sequel to his sacred marriage, if you've done that. And he's only ha- will have done it at one other church, this seminar at one other church, before he comes here. So this is like fresh bread out of the oven, all right? And so he'll be here with us. Hopefully you'll be a part of that. Also on Valentine's night, we're going to have a banquet. So guys, we've already got your date planned for you. So out easy this year, all right? So we'll talk about that next week. There'll be information that you can get your tickets uh, for that. But those, or again, relationships are priceless, all right? So don't, don't try to go it alone. Don't try to do it on your own. Uh, but here's, here's the one we're going to spend the rest of this month and even part of February, learning to hear the right voice, learning to hear God's voice. That, that right there is matchless. You cannot make good decisions. <laughs> I mean, just like this. You can roll the dice and get some right some of the time. Consistent, good, healthy, proper, wise decisions, you can't do it unless you can learn to hear his voice. Unless you can train the brain, train your soul to discern and to hear his voice and to act accordingly to it. Unless you are a constant person who has tuned in to that voice of God that is still speaking today. And this is what we're going to talk about for the next weeks. And when I talk about hearing God's voice and discerning God's voice and responding to God's voice, I'm going to, I'm going to elevate this. I'm going to say, I want you to commit, not to me, I want you to make a commitment to God that you'll take the first or the next 40 days, call it the first 40 days of, of 2015, and you'll commit it to doing that very thing, learning, discerning, and responding properly to God's voice. Now, if you have your Bibles, open to the book of Psalms. It's right in the middle of your Bible. You should just be able to open it up, and you'll find the book of Psalms. And uh, we'll be in Psalms chapter 1. And where you're going to hear God's voice, discern God's voice, is going to be important. There's a lot of voices out there, right? You get about 6,000 voices a day put in your face on the Internet, in advertisements, on television, from friends, from brand labels that you see on someone else. We are constantly bombarded with voices that you need this if you want to be happy. This will fulfill you. And so we then spend the rest of our lives spinning the wheels of our mind, trying to find out how I can get to that. New job, new home, new car, new relationship, better this, better that. But let's, let's drive it down. Where's the voice of God in this? And we have to be careful because there's a lot of voices out there and they're all saying, if you'll take this, if you'll do that, if you'll buy this and buy that, you will be happy. Your life will be blessed. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1 says it like this, blessed is the man. Now, it's important because it also says in the Holman Christian Standard, happy is the man. Well, who's happy? Who does not follow the advice. So there's the voices. There's lots of voices out there, but not every voice is worth listening to. Don't follow the advice of who? Of the wicked. Or take, or take the path of sinners. Or join the group of mockers. Now right there, he gives us a whole lot of information out there. One is, there is a process here. There is a means. There is, it is possible to be happy. 
It's possible, as it says in the ESV, blessed is the man who, who, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked or stands in the, in the way of sinners nor sits in the, um, in the seat of scoffers. There is a, 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 a possibility of happiness out there. You can be happy. I can be happy. But he also talks about the voices. The voices, they're subtle. There's a subtlety about this, these voices that are out there. And we've got we to be aware of them. And there's also a progressiveness about it. Notice that he says, first of all, you're going to be standing. Or you're going to be walking. And then you're going to be standing. And you'll find yourself sitting in this bad council with these wrong voices. So again, we've got to listen. We've got to discern what is the proper voice out there. Who are we going to listen to? Psalms is one of the books of the Bible. There are 66 books total in this one book of the Bible. All right, we'll we'll break that down here in just a moment. This is a hymn book largely. It's written over a span of 15 B.C. to about 3 3rd century B.C. So it's written over a very long span of time with lots of different authors contributing to it. But David writes the first one. And David writes most of them. And David writes about 26 different times. He says that men, you can, women, you can be blessed. You can be happy. And he does it in chapter 1. He does it in chapter 2. And he does it about 25 other times that he talks about being blessed and being happy. Now, I realize in this world that we want to be happy, 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 that when you're young, you think that happiness is inevitable. You think, well, when I get out from underneath my mom and dad, I'll finally be happy. Or when I go go to get to college and I get my degree, then I'm going to get out and I'll be on my own and I'll be happy. Or when I get, you know, this student loan paid off, then I'll be happy. Or when I get that relationship, or when I get that job, that dream job, I'll be happy. We think that it's inevitable. But you talk to a 30 or 40 or sometimes a 50-year-old, they may have a different perspective. They may have the perspective that happiness, it's unattainable. I've been going at this a long time. I've been fighting for this a long time. My relationship is stale. My relationship with God is stale. My relationship with my spouse is stale. My job is a dead end, and I feel like I'm a dead end, and, and I don't know where I'm going to go from here, and happiness is nowhere to be found. It's unattainable. And I want to say that the Scripture tells us again and again and again, we can live a blessed life. We can live a happy life. But listen, listen, listen. You just read the verse with me. Be very, 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 very cognizant of what voice you're listening to. Because if you get in the wrong voice, listen to the wrong advice, listen to the wrong people, you will find yourself in a nightmare really quick. This book that we're going to challenge you to be in for 40 days is the book I hold in my hand. 66 chapters, a total of uh, a thousand, excuse me, 66 books, 1,189 chapters, 41,173 verses make up this book that I hold in my hand. And this book right here, I'm going to say to you, is not an archaic book. Now, I know some people look at it and go, Mike, it was written so long ago. How could it be relevant today? We're going to talk about that. How could this book be relevant 
today, thousands of years ago. How could that still be? It was written over, over continents. It was written over centuries. It was written over different educations and different backgrounds and different ethnicities. And it all comes together into this one book. And it's so special. What makes it so special? Listen to the words of David when he said, listen, if you really want to be happy, if you really, really, really want to be blessed in your life, don't listen to the bad voices, the bad advice. You need to do what I do. What did David say he did? He delights. If you look at that verse, he says in verse 2, he says, but his delight, his delight. Also, he meditates. Also, he's planted. There are three different measures that we need to look at in our life. And if we're going to look at our life, and you look in this text here, if we're going to be that happy, blessed individual, we need to set our course based on a solid voice. Here's the, the, the very first measure that we need to look at. We need to find delight in this book. Now, please, I, I, I hang with me on this one. I know it's a lot more appealing to talk about sex, drugs, and rock and roll, to talk about desires and being stuck and all that kind of stuff. But listen, if you really, really, really want to get unstuck, If you really, really, really want to get a grasp on your desires, be careful of the voices you're listening to. And when you get a good objective voice from God, which is in His Word, fall in love with that voice. Run to that voice. Don't turn that voice off. Lean in and focus on that voice. And the problem is, I know so many of us, even as I said, there's 40 days reading the book, 40 days reading the Bible. I know there's this sense of duty. I know you might even feel the weight of, oh gosh, for the next 40 days, all he's going to talk about is me reading the Bible. Listen, don't. Go read the Reader's Digest. Go read the Wall Street Journal. I want you to love this book. I want you to love what it says. I want you to hear what it, the precepts. I want you to fall in love with this delight in it. If you look again there, he says, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, there's several phrases here that I'm going to throw around. I've got to kind of throw you about some inter- interchangeable phrases that are going to be used throughout this series. These phrases, when you hear God's law, Scripture, commandments, principles, precepts, prophets, the word, gospels, uh, or the gospel, uh, the Proverbs, the Psalms, the Holy Book, all of that is referring to this one book, this book of 66 books. And every one of those I'm going to point to again. And David said, his, the happy person, the, the, the blessed person, his delight is in the law of the Lord. So I did a word study on that word delight. And it's actually not just a word used for the Bible, okay? That his delight is in the law of the Lord. It's actually a romantic term. It's used of a person who finds delight in another person. To be very specific, whenever in, in Esther, whenever the king would, would want to see his new wives or his new wife, he would choose his wife. Literally, the wives would go away. Listen to this, ladies. they go away for spa treatment for six months. Yeah. Six months of pedicures and manicures and kingly diets. And then they would be paraded in front of the king. And the king, and it says this in, in the book of Esther, chapter 2, verse 14, the king delighted in her and she was summoned by name. So he would see these beautiful women walking from him and then he would choose from them the one that he delighted in. 
the one that he was romantically attracted to, the one that he couldn't stand to be without. He knew her name and he called her to him. When was the last time you were romantically in love with this book? Or have you ever been there? And I get it if you haven't. But what I want to see in this next 40 days is I want to see you become infatuated with the Word of God, romantically inclined to the Word of God, driven to the Word of God that you wake up in the morning and you you can't wait to get your cup of coffee because... The word's always better with coffee. No, you get your coffee and you get your Bible and you open it up and you get, and you start letting it pour into you and, and then you go throughout the day and you're just dreaming about it and, and then you go to bed at night and you, you read it one more time because it's the last thought that you want to think in the day. Am I, am I crazy here? Or is it possible that we can literally grow to love God's word with that romantic delight? I want us to take a survey. We've been doing this for a long time, and, and I'll get your phones out, and you're going to text again the, the number 22333. I want you to define, define, as we do on Facebook, define your relationship with God's Word, okay? Is it complicated? You're going to put uh, seven one seven seven zero two four. Basically, what that means is, I just can't explain this. I don't have a clue. I can't, you know, I, I can't explain my relationship with the word. It's just kind of there I, or it's not there. Or I'm divorced. It's absolutely not a part of my life. I don't really read it. I don't have it. I don't, I don't love it. I don't read it. I, it it's, just, it's just there. Uh, if it's an emerging friendship, then, then put that down. And if it's a passionate delight that you have, then put that down. And, and this is the first uh, service and it's kind of, it's going to be growing out there and we'll keep you informed as that develops and, uh, in, in the, in the days ahead. Okay. But a few weeks ago, if you remember, if you were here, we took a similar survey and we asked you this, how often do you read the scriptures? Is it once a week? And that's a freebie, by the way. We said on Sunday mornings, if you're here on Sunday mornings and you're obviously here on Sunday morning taking the survey, then we're going to give you a free one, all right? That's like bingo in the middle. You get the free, the, 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 the middle one. And so, and, and even some of those were asleep because 20% of them said they don't even read it on Sunday. So they're on Facebook, Twitter. I don't know what they're doing while they're here. Uh, but they don't even read the text when I put it up in front of their face. Um, but you can see up there that, that there's 31%. 31% of our people, not, this is not a national survey, our people read the Bible five to seven times a, a week. Now, I, I was kind of disturbed by that, as most of the staff was. And so I, I did my best to get out there and find Actually, this week I found a survey that was done by Barna. And Barna's a great pollster, and he, he, he surveys churches and believers, and he asked Christians who believe that this book is the inspired Word of God, and he asked them how many of them read the Bible at least four days a week. So it's a similar survey, and this is what he found out, about 19%, all right, of Christians across America are reading the Bible four days a week. So I got good news and bad news. Good news is that we're better than the average Joe, all right? Bad news is we're still failing. I don't know any course, any school, any anything that you can pass at 31%. I don't want to be a church at 31% in the Word. I, I, I'd love to see all of us in the Word. Not, not because I told you, not because I said 40 days, do this and take it like castor oil or something like that for 40 days. I want you to love it. I want you to get in it. I want you to experience God in it. I want you to hear Him speak to you and with such clarity that life's decisions make a lot 
more sense to you. Longman said it like this. God speaks to us through the Bible. He encounters us in its pages. It is true that he speaks to us in other ways as well, but never so clearly and directly as in Scripture. This book right here is where you get the objective teachings of God. And if it's just a book on a shelf or it's just an app on your phone, then we're missing something. I want you to delight in it. And I want you to just try it for 40 days. If it doesn't work in 40 days, then back up and punt, say you've tried that and move on, whatever. But I really think that if you give it your heart for 40 days, you will fall in love like a king with a woman who's been at the spa for six months, that you will fall in love with his word. Jonathan Edwards, one of America's homegrown theologians, uh, pastored in uh, in the Northeast in the 1700s, was a Puritan, was a, was a leader in the 1700s in the Great Awakening of America, said this about God's word. Listen to these words. Let's just listen to them. Sometimes only mentioning a single word of the gospel causes my heart to burn within me. Only seeing the name of Christ or hearing some attribute of God suddenly makes my heart burst into flames. In that moment, God appears glorious to me, making me have the most exalting thoughts of Him. When I enjoy this sweetness, it seems to carry me above the thoughts of my own estate. It seems that at such times I'm at a loss, but I cannot bear it. I cannot even bring myself to take my eyes away from this really, uh, from this really is beautiful object and bring it back to myself in its own boring interest. That, that's, that is a man writing about the Word of God, absolutely delighting in the Word of God. My, I would ask that we would all find delight in his word. Number two is that we would practice, practice meditation on God's word. Now, I know meditation is not a new word, not a new phrase in our culture. You hear it all the time. You hear people talk about it in Eastern religions. You hear it talked about in yogic meditations. So it's not a new phrase, meditation. But there is a difference between Eastern religion meditation and Christian meditation that, that Psalms speaks of here and other places in Scripture. In Eastern religion, you empty your mind. You empty your mind of self, of distractions, of stresses. You empty your mind so that you can enter into this this time, this place of peace. That's it. Finished and done. The Christian meditation is where, yes, you do empty your mind. You empty your mind of self. You empty your mind of all the other distractions and the distresses of life. But then you fill it back with. You fill it with something of substance. You fill it with God's truth, God's law, God's principles, God's precepts. On his law, he meditates day and night. It's something that you can't get away from. It's something that's on your mind because you read it in the morning. You're thinking about it in the midday. You're thinking about it in the afternoon. It's that level of meditation. I heard one pastor say it like this. Now, how many of y'all grew up on a farm? Raise your hand. Any farmers in here? All right, a, ch- a cow chewing its cud is a, a phrase I knew from a childhood, but I didn't know what a cud was until I did a little research. And, and basically, what, uh, when a cow chews its cud, 
uh, and you farmers can get me straight on this afterwards, but it's whenever they, they chew their hay, their grass, they chew it up and they take the nutrients out of it and they swallow it. And then, yes, we do this too, vomit back into their mouth, as some of y'all just did as I said that. Um, and then you chew it up some more, getting more nutrients out of it, and then you swallow it back and you do it again do, until all the nutrients are gone. Basically, the way one pastor described it is that's what this verse is talking about. We're literally, we're chewing on it, we're chewing on it, we're chewing on it, we're meditating on it, we're meditating on this phrase. Maybe it's just a phrase, maybe it's part of a verse, maybe it's a a, a section of Scripture, and you're constantly, constantly chewing on it. Another psalm of Asaph, in Psalm 77, verse 12 to 13, he talked about meditating on the mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God. Now, would you hear this? Life sometimes becomes ginormous, doesn't it? The stresses, the strains, the demands of life. Asaph talked about how he meditates on the greatness of God, the mightiness of God, and all of a sudden, all the other gods of this world become small when you look at the bigness of our God. Here's what happens when you learn to meditate on truth of Scripture. is all of a sudden all the other voices that are being hurled at you, that are coming at you, that are being spoken into your mind, the fears, the anxieties, the, 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 the stresses, all of a sudden when you have allowed yourself to meditate on the Word, the law, the principles, the precepts of God, all of a sudden they seem small just like all the other gods of this world. Meditation on God's Word will change your perspective on your life. Hear that. When you look at your life and you go, I don't like what I see. I don't like where I'm going. Find a light in His Word. Meditate on it. And let Him begin to change your perspective on life in a whole new way. Joshua was a person who was faced with fear. Randy referred to this last week in a a service that totally caught me off guard. If you were here, you know what I'm talking about. He talked about Joshua and how Joshua was called to go into the the, the promised land and lead the people of Israel right behind Moses. Who can follow in Moe's shoes? I mean, those are big sandals to follow in. And he's supposed to follow in those shoes and Moses is dead. And yes, you're going to step up. And you know you can read the fear in Joshua. Because again and again and again, he says, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. God says that to him four different times. Over a matter of just two chapters. But right in the middle of that. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, it says that the book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then... Then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will have good success. See, God's plan for success and prosperity may not be your plan, but if we get on His plan, we get on His meditation, let Him lead us and guide us through the paths. Yes, we might have to cross rivers like Joshua did. Yes, we may have to lead stubborn people like Joshua did. But yes, they still conquered. What will God do? when you delight in His Word. So how do you do that? How do you meditate on His Word? We're going to practice because here's another challenge I'm going to have for you. Each week, each week, I want you to memorize one verse. Find one verse 
and I want you to memorize it, all right? Now, I'm going to give you a verse each week, so you can do that with me. This is our verse this week, is let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, all right? Say that with me. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, all right? Simple enough. Now, here's how I memorize a verse, all right? I'm going to practice, so this is show and tell. Uh, so we're going to do this together. So first of all, I just focus on one word at a time. Let. Let. Let, 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 let. You mean to tell me that actually, as I sit there and meditate on that, that I actually may be the gatekeeper to my own heart and my own mind? That it's up to me to allow the Word of God to come in? Let. Let what? Let the Word. Every individual word in this book, I believe, as God gave it to His original writers, is inspired by God. Let the Word of Christ. Let the word of Christ, not just any word, let the words of God, let the words of Christ. You see what I'm doing? I'm just thinking about one word at a time. I'm building on it phrase by phrase. Read it with me. Let the word of Christ. What am I supposed to do? Let the word of Christ dwell in you. So say it with me. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. Just think about it, living, taking up residence. I mean, that's going to be a part of my, it's going to be a part of my living room and what I watch. It's going to be a part of my bedroom and what I do. It's going to be a part of my computer and what I watch on the, it's a part of my house. It's dwelling. It's living. It's taking, I am letting the word of Christ dwell in you. And what's the last word? Richly. Just think how wealthy your life will be when the Word of God becomes a part of your life, lives in your life. What He will do through you when His Word is fully, fully a part of you. All right? Let's say it all out out loud together. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Colossians 3.16. Now take it away, guys. All right? Ready? Very good. So you've done your first verse already. You just got to meditate on it day and night for the rest of the the week. All right, let's go on. Number three, if I'm going to see the word of God bring my life to a blessed, happy state, it's not just delighting. Yes, that's part of it. It's, 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 it's not just meditating, and now I'm going to plant my life in it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put in roots down. I'm, I'm going to put it down like, like, well, like he says in verse 3, he says, And he is like a tree planted by the streams of water that yields its fruit in season. Its leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. There's that word again. Joshua 1.8. We have it here again in, in Psalms 1.3. God desires to prosper you. God desires to bless you. God desires for you to have happiness. It may not look like the way you want it to look, but hey, he wants to do that in you. But he's going to do that as the word of God is dwelling in you richly, as you're allowing it to penetrate your life. I love what he said there. He kind of he broke down several uh, ha- things that happened were planted, were were also yielding fruit. And even the scripture talks about yielding fruit in John. A leaf doesn't wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. So there's actually going to be fruit. There's going to be prosperity. There's going to be safety and security whenever the word of God becomes a part of our life. There's going to be three words you're going to see again and again in this series. 
It's all about getting the Word of God in us, getting the Word of God in us. Number one, when you look at this series, you're going to see the word insight, you're going to see the word instruct, you're going to see the word inspire. And those are three key words that I just do subconsciously in my own Bible studies. I, first of all, go to this book, and I want to challenge you, again, starting tomorrow, I want, you to, I want you to start tomorrow by opening up this book. Maybe if you don't know where to go, go to Psalm 2. We're in Psalm 1 today. Go to Psalm 2 tomorrow. And just read through Psalms all week long. One chapter a day. One chapter a day. Write down one, one, one statement that, that God teaches you. Start praying it into your life. Realign your life according to that one statement. That's that 40-day challenge that we're going to put out there. Now, as you think about that, what's the insight? So you sit there and you read it. When you're reading and you're looking for insight, basically you're asking the question, what do I see? What do I see? That's observation. What am I seeing? What's going on? What's the history? What's the context? What, what do I see? And the second question or the second word there is instruct. What's the instruction? What am I hearing? Now you start interpreting the Bible, all right? But if you do observation really well, interpretation comes really easy. If you look for your insights and your instruction, then you lead to the last word and it's inspire. What do I do? This is not just a book to increase your education. It's a book to change your life, to live your life according to. So how is it that you're going to apply this book to your life? Now, that same study I quoted from the beginning from Barna and, and the number of people who, who make New Year's resolutions. It's kind of a sad tale, but... Whenever they did the study, they found out that only nine out of a thousand people that they surveyed, that's less than 1%, even mentioned as one of their objectives in the next year to get closer to God in some kind of way. It's kind of like this. It's like, God, okay, you're really good for Sunday, and you're really good in that box on Sunday, and if I need you, God, I know where you're at. And then we keep wondering why year after year our life never changes. It doesn't really take an upturn. It doesn't really, it just is stuck. And I want to say, guys and gals and men and women, boys and girls and students, if this book is not in us, if we're not finding delight in it, if we're not meditating on it, if we're not planting our lives in the truth that it gives us, we will not survive in a healthy, prosperous, successful manner that God wants us to. 40 days. Can you do it? Let me show you something. I started this on June, excuse me, July 8th, 1985. The only reason I know it is because on that date is the date in my journal. I've never done this before. But on July 8th, 1985, I took this little booklet and I took the Bible and I opened it and I read it. The first day I read from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 to 12. And the spiritual insight of that day was God was wanting me to please God. Just wanting to please God. Live your life for an audience of one. That was pretty much the insight that I got from that passage. I wrote it down. I wrote a prayer down. I wrote an application down. And I closed it and I went on. And I have been doing this. And the only reason I know this date is because this is my original first journal. Now, listen, if I die and you find these, you will not get any great insight from these. I'm pretty much a, a jotter, not a journaler. And uh, they're little half sentences with, uh, with a lot of misspellings. And, uh, and, and, but it's my journal. All right, And I would just jot down, these are the truths that God's given me. These are the truths that God's given me. It's not, it's not a complex thing. But this right here 
was also the same summer in the same month that God gave me the clarity of my calling in life. Hear that. Same summer, same month that God gave me the clarity that he was calling me into vocational ministry. I will never, ever give up this journal. I pulled another one out this morning. This journal, this journal dates back to 2000. And it's got just day after day of 2000, passage after passage, scribbles after scribbles. But it was in this springtime and summer of 2000. In fact, it was in the summer, July of 2000. I looked it back up. I didn't remember that God gave me the clarity of the calling to come back to America and start Grace Point Church. Jotting down what God is saying to you is like taking notes from God himself. I so believe that God wants to revolutionize your life in 2015. I don't know what the plan is. But what we do every year is we give our people books. We find books, bestseller books out there, books that God has used and worked in someone's life and he's taught them this or that and they put it into book and becomes a bestseller and we give it to everyone and everyone goes home and gets inspired. This year, we're giving you an empty book. All right? We want you... If you're going to take the 40-day challenge, don't do this if you need an extra notebook at home, okay? But if you're going to take the 40-day challenge, here, listen to this. This is the beauty of this book. It's not been written in. And it's going to be God's story about your life. And if you will meet with Him every day, and if you'll listen to Him every day, and if you'll respond to Him every day, He will teach you something every day. And he will grow you in some way every day. If you will adjust your life to it. You're going to have to find delight in his word. Meditate on it. And let your life be planted in it. And let God do his work in you. These are all across the stage. There's one per person. If you're going to take the challenge. If you're not, then please leave them. For the people who do want them. We're not going to single anybody out. I want to pray. And we'll commit this time to to the Lord. Father. Thank you. Thank you. That you didn't leave us on this world empty, without truth, without a voice, without hope, without direction, that only figured it out on our own feelings and, and gut instincts. But Lord, you gave us the objective truth of your word. You called us to read it, to respond to it, to realign ourselves accordingly to it. Lord, would you help us in the next 40 days to become a church alive in a way that we've never been alive before because we are in your word and your word is in us and you will build in us a beautiful, beautiful work of God. Lord, we want to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.